Okay, welcome to Stello Fellow Quiet Time Proverbs discussions. I haven't been doing an intro with these, so yeah, we're going to be chapter two. It is it's it's May the second, so the last one I did I think was chapter twenty uh, twenty eight maybe, and it was the weekend, and I didn't get Friday done of that last week, and so wrapped back around. Yesterday was May first. Today's May second just recording these literally as it going through. So when I do quiet times, typically I'm in Proverbs and whatever day it is dictates where I'm reading. So doing audio or just recorded quiet times, basically not coming with anything prepared at all. So sitting down, reading a section, asking questions and then walking away. What's the takeaway today? So uh, chapter two, verse one, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who, whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. So, dear goodness, my son, like, so Solomon is writing, obviously teaching, if, if he says my son, obviously maybe the wrong word, we can safely assume he is talking to at least one of his kids and I don't, I don't know if it's maybe more or if maybe it's just, I don't know if it's the first one or I don't, I actually don't know. Let's ask that question. So which son is Solomon talking to in Proverbs chapters? There's a, it's chapter two, three. It doesn't, it doesn't speak that way in chapter one, chapter four, listen, my sons. Chapter five, my son, my son, chapter six, chapter seven, my son, chapter eight. Doesn't address that way. Nine does not. Ten, he does. Eleven, he does not. Twelve, he does not. Thirteen, he says, a wise son heeds. So fourteen, no. Fifteen, no. So at least through the first ten, He's with consistency addressing my son and beginning to give something wise as he's teaching one of his kids. Uh, which son is Solomon addressing in Proverbs 2? David Guzik commentary in Proverbs 2, which describes the protective power of wisdom. Nope, that's not what I wanted. Nope. Commentaries, my son, if you receive these words spoken, that's biblehub.com. Let's look at that one. That is just... Okay, here we go. Benson commentary on biblehub, hud, not hud, hub.com. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, my son. These words are spoken by Solomon either... For first, or in the name of wisdom, as before, or rather, in his own name. So you're not giving me, no, the hyperlink just gave me the actual verse that I read. My son is highlighted, but it's not 
nothing. No help there. Nope. Nope. Here we go. Which son? Who wrote this book? Some of the book of Proverbs is attributed to Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. This is on churchofjesuschrist.org. Oh, so this is, this is a Latter-day Saints website. So that probably isn't going to help us as we go into theology discussion. I'm not saying that some of the things they understand about scripture wouldn't be right, but if they miss the core message of the scriptures, the probably means they're going to be off on some other areas let's run that for a minute like why is it important to hold to the truths of scripture as they then traject what do i think and where where am i going like i want my son to have the basic beliefs submitted in his life according to what the scriptures say because it's going to come from there. Like same if you're building a house and you lay the foundation and you don't do the dirt work and get it level correctly before you pour the foundation, then you don't have a level playing field to start with. And that can cause cracks and movement in the foundation, which then causes significant problems once the house is built and you're living in. And all of a sudden you've got cracks in the walls and things are dropping and if you've ever been in a house that isn't level and the foundation has moved and the amount of work it takes to fix that, it's much easier in construction to make sure that your dirt work is right, that your forms are laid right, that's, that's all out square correctly, level, all that stuff. And then you pour in there and it dries and now you have a level, firm, secure well-based foundation and then everything builds from that if that's messed up the rest of it's going to be messed up so that that idea of okay i want the basic concepts to be right i need the corner pieces to be set level square so that the rest of it in life works the same way same for life if I go back to, here's what I know is right, here's what I know is true, here's what I know is unmovable, well, then that helps direct my decisions and how I do things and how I live. That is not exactly what we're talking about here, but since that came up in the commentary of like, oh, okay, that's probably not a place to find answers about these things. If the main answer is wrong, then that's going to lead to a lot of other answers that are incorrect about the book. So anyway, so my son being one of the sons don't know which one solomon had more solomon had more than one but if you accept my words and store up my commands within you turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure then you will understand the fear of the lord i i wonder like i i wonder how that's daily applicable for that kid like hey if you listen to me one i think okay so if dad's talking to son and he's saying if you're going to listen to my words and take what i tell you to do like i'm commanding you to do that and you're man I, those are the things that i'm filing away and i'm actively using not just filing away in a cabinet in my mind but i'm my my life direction my decisions are made based on 
dad said this, so I'm going to do fill in the blank. I have some papers behind me to work on today, and it was in the video. If you're not watching the video, you can see the video version on Spotify because that is now a thing, a video podcast on Spotify. I don't think Apple is doing that right now or any of the other platforms that you may be listening on, but Spotify does, unless you're in your car, and then it, it has a safety switch and won't play the video. Hmm. Going back to like just daily application. For DAX, if we're to move this forward, roughly... 2000 years for if David lived in 1000 BC. So no, that's over 3000 plus years. David was around 1000 BC. Solomon is obviously right after that. Now we're 21st century. So that's about 3000 plus years. <clears throat> if we're to move it that far forward from Solomon speaking to his son, who Solomon is the wisest man ever, to me speaking to my son, I am not the wisest man ever, nor do I claim to be. And at the same time, Going back to if I'm founding the truths and the basics of life off of scripture to what we talked about in weeks past in other Proverbs on what is right and just, which also true is founded in the scriptures if we're basing it off of that. And then I'm taking those concepts and I'm handing them to my son and I'm saying, if you accept this and I'm receiving and going, okay, I agree with that, what you're telling me, I am saying I'm not pushing against it. I'm, I'm accepting that that is true. You may push against it to ask questions and that's completely appropriate and okay. As you go to rationalize and understand and wrestle with, nothing wrong with that at all. So I'm gonna take that and then I'm gonna store it up the command. So dad said, okay, says this to Dax, here's what is true. If you, you know, okay, yeah, I agree. I'm taking that and saying it's true. And then I'm not only filing it in, storing it up, but I'm actually, he says, applying your heart, uh, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. So I'm actually taking those things and then beginning to put them in practice. So when we talk about honesty, son, if you're nothing else, what do you have to be honest? Great. Well, what does that mean? It means like telling on myself when I do something wrong, which can be as simple as, and he's done this before. Hey, those watching YouTube and an ad popped up this is what the ad was. I closed it, felt kind of weird about it, felt like I needed to tell you. And there've been times where I'm like, wait, why are you, why are you on YouTube? Well, cause I was watching the Nerf guy or I was watching, watching the dude perfect videos or I was watching Mr. Beast. And there, there have been, he's just now beginning to be allowed to spend more time watching the videos he does on, he doesn't have his own iPad. We have an iPad as a family. And then he's allowed to watch certain certain things on the iPad. Obviously, we can track the history. He's 12, so I'm sure he knows some things. So there's there's more trust given. And some of it's because of the communication. But when he was younger, he wasn't allowed to do some of those things. And so sometimes it was that conversation like, wait, hold on, you did what? Are you supposed to be there? No. But we're in the conversation. So there's clearly he's done something. It's weighing on him that, okay, that was out of line. I need to have a conversation about it. And so we do that. And we've always told our kids, like, you don't get in trouble for being honest. You get in trouble for lying. But it doesn't mean there's not a 
So he would come and say, here's what happened. And we may go, okay, like you're not in trouble. Thank you for telling us. But we're like, since you uh, got out of the boundary on some things that we drew clear boundaries on, we're going to take some steps to help correct that for your protection. We're not trying to rip you off here. I think that was a point I wanted to make earlier is I was reading this on like the idea of like when Solomon is talking to his son and then he's giving them, I think these are probably big concepts to start with, like big umbrella concepts, but with the idea that he gets to verse five and says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Solomon isn't trying to rip his kid off. He's not trying to create all these rules that he has to play inside to make life not fun. Rather, he's trying to give him the fear of the Lord, which is back to chapter one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fool despise wisdom and discipline. He doesn't want his son to be foolish, which is defined as we talked about from, I think, chapter 22, someone who is disobedient to what is right and true and lives as if there is no God. He doesn't want that for his son. And so he's saying, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, and the opposite of that is despise wisdom and discipline because discipline will help bring knowledge and wisdom. But his desire is for him to be the opposite, to be someone who fears the Lord. What's bringing that is acceptance and obedience of what he's going to share with them. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. I think Solomon is getting at like, this is important. This should be a daily activity of what is right, what is true, what is wise. Am I living inside the boundaries that God created that are appropriate for me to be what God created and designed me to be? And am I, am I doing that well? And am I searching for that? Like, am I asking with consistency? Again, like what is what right and what is true? And does my life align with that? And if not, I need to change some things. And if so, then I need to go, okay, I need to take an account for what helped me do that. What were the things that helped keep me positioned there? And I need to repeat that then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse six, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Somebody once said either to me or around me, the scriptures hold the secrets to life. And it doesn't mean that it has all the answers. It doesn't mean that when someone is sick and they die, that we walk away with a clear answer. It, we don't. We I, were with some friends this weekend and having a conversation about traumatic events in your life and what that does. The normative human responses to certain experiences and attachments to a traumatic event, depending on what your role happened to be in that event. And there are certain ones that there are certain experiences. The, the person and I who were talking don't have a shared experience, but have a shared response from different experiences because of our unique positioning inside the storyline of the traumatic event. And as she was sharing with me, 
her current response and thought process to that incident and the emotional recourse, maybe the word that I'm looking for, the emotion that it stirs up when you are discussing that and the things that then happen that play out in your mind and what you tell yourself, regardless of whether it is true or not, it's a unique thing that's an attack. The point is, it's a normative human response to respond to X this way. And so yeah, like you're not alone in that when you're like, this is my fault, when it actually isn't your fault. It's normal to do that because of that specific positioning in that storyline. And one of those, it's like, you don't, you, you don't really know until it, it happens. And then you're like, oh, if you're able to kind of step out and be like, okay, I can see, I can see that and why that happens. And, we'll, and point is there was a normative response. So a family member is sick and dies. There's a normative response of like, obviously I'm mourning the loss of, it is a sad thing. And not only that, it, in my mind and rationalizing, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would it be that person that goes at this point in time or with this experience or with that pain or hurt or fill in the blank? And the scripture doesn't give a, a good, clear answer for that. And now, it, I mean, it does give a, there. there's a time for mourning. There's a time for sadness. There's a time for quietness and, and peace being brought and happiness. And like, there is a normative, humative, humative, human emotional cycle that goes through the different things in life, whether it's sickness or whether it's death or whether it's birth and life and good, good things and bad things. There's a cycle to our emotional response and, and scripture is clear on that, but it doesn't answer, but yeah, but why? Yeah. But like, why did somebody get better and somebody didn't? And, and like, why me? And all going back to like, well, okay. The basics of the storyline is like heaven is enough. And and, and a lot of the questions won't be answered inside that. And that's, and that's okay. And scripture does bring this, the insights or the secrets to life that there is a way to find peace. And it doesn't mean you immediately have it, but there is a way to find peace inside the ups and the downs and the roller coaster. And sometimes it's going to feel good. And sometimes it is not, but there, but we can trust that you know, if I've trusted Jesus, he will faithfully bring me back to that point of, of being at peace. And, and that may be after I, that may be after I die, like the, the finding of peace may be if this ends and then I am peacefully with Jesus resting and awaiting resurrection and eternity as Paul, I think spelled out maybe the best that he could, or that's the wrong way to say it as Paul communicated what God intended for Paul to communicate and in inspiring and what he intended for John to communicate in inspiring of, Hey, the story is going to, this storyline has an ending that then begins eternity. If you're reading the book of revelation or you're reading anything with the word eschatology is the study of end times and God completing <clears throat> what he started in Genesis and, what, and Jesus's work of, okay, I'm putting everything back to what N.T. Wright refers to as putting to rights God's creation. I always like the way he said that because he's highly intelligent and always was like, 
I felt like a great way to use simple words to communicate a deep theological truth that what is God eventually doing in the end? He's making it right again from what he started with. That then Adam and Eve decided to throw a wrench in and we all now live with the things that we do. And, and not blaming somebody else, just like we are. Sorry. <laughs> I wonder if Adam in heaven will be like, hey, remember that time you did Proverbs 2? It threw me under the bus on that one. That's not what that's not exactly what I meant, but you obviously do have a piece in it. I have, I have my own piece. But still, I think maybe it'll maybe it'll be a fun discussion. I don't know. I think Adam was pretty jacked. I think he was because God molded him out of the dirt. It's like how I, I wonder if God like spit in the dirt and like, or if he took some water and just mixed it and molded, made his little, and then I was like. I wonder how that all happened. That's how I, as I read the storyline, it's like, it's a pretty hands-on molding of chiseling the muscle fibers and the tendons and the bone structure and the way it all goes together. And just a very detailed, because the humans are very detailed. I thought we were talking about wisdom. We are. That's what we're talking about today. So I, I, today, the takeaway today is I'm, jumping different rabbit trails and thought processes as I look at this and go, Solomon is talking to his son and saying, the words I say to you from the rightness and truthness of the word of God, take that, accept it as truth through your own process of wrestling with, if we're going to like, okay, make it a little more applicable, not just to son, but just to all of us it may take me some time to wrestle with it. That's okay wrestled with one in chapter 28 was like, I read it. I was like, man, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel this. Something feels off with this and having to walk through a process of I'm not just taking it and going, okay, man, it's true. Cause it said it like, okay, like help me understand the rationalization as I see this and this, and that doesn't feel like that matches. And when I say it doesn't feel like it matches, it's like, okay, experiences in life, this storyline doesn't fit this. So how does that, where's the marriage of the two? And then working through that and then getting to like, okay, yeah, I accept that is a true thing. And so now how I'm going to apply it to my life as we've wrestled with that text. So, okay, take the words, accept them as true through your process of wrestling, whatever that may be. It may be unique. It may be normative. I don't know. And then take those commands, store them. Like not only am I saying, yeah, it's true. Now I'm filing it away of like, okay, that's a concrete truth in my mind that I'm going to file back to, that I'm going to refer back to, and then I'm going to apply it. And daily, I'm asking that like I'm daily going back to with consistency to remind where does it measure? Where does it measure? Where does it measure? Here's the measuring stick. Here's my life. Is it consistent? No. How do I fix it? Yes. What helped it to stay there? Repeat. Do that again. Because God gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Well, where do I get that? Like if I am looking for those things, Solomon is saying, take these things. Well, where are they? The saying that like if you've never heard God speak out loud, just read his word out loud. It's right there. That's I think one of the things that drives me crazy when I hear people refer to you're gonna be like, Are you bashing on somebody? Not really, but I am doing this a little bit in jest because I because I could be wrong. When people say God told me dot dot dot. There are times when I question, and when I say there are times always, 
do I question like, really? Because, because I'm like, I feel like God says some unique things to you a lot and never to me, which is like, well, maybe you're just not spiritual enough. Maybe you're just not good enough <clears throat> because as Paul said to Timothy, God has given us everything we need to be fully equipped for the good works that God has put in front of us to follow Jesus appropriately and do what he has not only asked, but told us to do. We have all that in the word of God. So, and not only that, the, the further element of maybe my problem is the basic things he's told me to do. I'm not doing enough. So why would he tell me anything else? It's that idea of like, if I can trust you with a little bit, I'm gonna give you a little bit more. But if I can't, why would I give you a lot? If you're not going to like, if I give you five bucks and you're going to burn it, why would I give you 15? Or why would I give you 50 and trust that you're going to be able to right now, Dax is running what we like to refer to as the black market candy operation at school because he sells bags of candy, not bags, but yeah, bags. He sells candy to other people in his class. Is that a legal thing to do? I'm not actually sure. In elementary school, he did candy bags at one point. He did comic books at one point. He did, I think he did gum at one point. He ran right back around to comic books four different times. He had inside businesses that were shut down. But now in middle school, I think the rules are a little bit different. And he has established himself as I am the candy guy. So you you buy a piece of candy for a quarter. Dum-dums seem to, seem to be the hot item. And so he sells dum-dums. He's trying out ring pops right now. This week is a ring pop test run to see if ring pops are a hot item. He's done Skittles. He's done, what else did he do? Did another candy item. I'm, I don't remember what it was. Um, and, and, but he, he, so he took, I said, he said, Hey, I want to sell bags or I want to sell candy. And I said, okay. And he said, I need, I need you to spot me to start the business. So I said, fine, five bucks. We went and bought three bags of candy. He's multiplied that into 40 something dollars so far. So I gave him five and he went, went and multiplied it to, uh, he's multiplied it almost 10 times. Okay. Like that's a, like, if you can do that with five, what if I gave you a hundred? Cause you went five and you went to 40 plus and, and once he sells out of what he has right now, he's going to be closer to 50. So it will be like 10 times. So like, what if I gave you a hundred, would you turn that into 500? What if I gave you a thousand? Would you make it five grand? Like, so he's 12. Well, so he's proving that ability. I, th I think that's similar with us. Like, okay, I've told you as a believer, share what I've done for you with the people that are around you. And so am I, am I doing that? Am I leveraging my relationships with the intention of, I'm trying to get to where I'm telling you about Jesus. And I had a friend of mine once said, hang out with the people, only hang out with the people that you intend to spend eternity with. So it doesn't mean I'm only going to hang out with people who agree with me belief-wise, but it's I'm only spending, I'm only investing time in those I intend to be with in eternity, which I may invest a lot of time in somebody who's not a believer. Why? Because I'm intending, I have an agenda. I am trying to get to where you are trusting the same thing. I want you to be able to experience the same thing I did. Why? Because I believe it to be true. Why? Because uh, the Lord is the one 
who gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Well, what did the Lord say about wisdom from his mouth about knowledge and understanding? He said, you're broken. He said, I made a way to fix the brokenness and the gap in the relationship, the break in relationship between you and the creator of the world. And the res your response is to trust me, to accept that, yep, I am broke. There is a problem. And the way to fix it is to trust Jesus. So that like, that's what came out of his mouth and was communicated. If I'm not doing that with consistency, because that's the, that's like the base level. Here's what I should be doing. Why would he tell me anything else? Like, why would he say anything else about anything? And if I, if I'm not, I say there's seven things that normative believers do. They share the gospel. They deal with their sin. They pray a lot. They know the scriptures. They live in community with others, meaning they have a group of people who love Jesus, know the scriptures and love them and will speak into their lives. They give their money when there's a need that they see that can be met. It doesn't mean that I don't, I push hard against like, I am giving 10% of my income to the local church that I attend. Do I think that you should be giving to the church that you attend? Yes, I do. It, would, it is hard for a pastoral figure who is a good shepherd, Hebrews 13, like let those like submit to their authority with like do it gladly so that they can serve joyfully as they'll give an account for overseeing those who they were entrusted to be spiritual authorities in their lives. The, like it, the, there are some who are in unique positions where they can do that without it, but it takes a lot of work and time and effort you should be spending. If you are a pastor who speaks on Sunday, you should be spending hours on preparing what you're going to share from the scriptures to the to that body. You should be spending hours on the phone in prayer, either hands-on caring for or helping to have your arms around how people are being cared for and shepherded and that authority is dispersed and taken care of. Like that is a, that is a job. And the way that that is supported is by those who go to church there are giving money to handle that and take care of it. Do you need building spaces to meet in? Yeah, you do. Do they need to be as big as they are? Probably not because we typically don't maximize space the way that we should in, in the, at least the ones I've been in, we're not maximizing. You know, I say we, it's not being maximized the way that to the fullest extent before you're having to build more <clears throat> and it shouldn't be a measuring stick. No one should care what we're building and why and what you build and like, it shouldn't matter there are stipulations and I get it like hey I'm building in South Lake yeah you there are things you have to do and it's going to cost more to build there land is just more I, I understand that the point is how did I get I'm sorry I got off on that but the, I we give to where we go and we give to another ministry that does things that's outside of it's not connected to a church it is a group that is doing things to fight for the gospel and to help uh further i'm going to say some churchy words felt further the kingdom like those who believe in jesus it's helping to support and encourage that group of people as a whole we give to that we give to uh to feed hungry kids in other countries um each month and so there's we said there's four mouths in our house that we feed so there's four mouths that aren't in our home that we feed and have for a pretty long time um and then, and then there's another ministry of a buddy of mine that runs who served with me in Austin that we just started giving to uh, so meaning like you're going to give your money when like you see a need that is 
oh, I can meet that. And then anytime something like that comes up, like there, here's a point where we need, there's a need to be met. I haven't given everything to the local church. Why? Because there are other things going on and, and I'm okay with that. So uh, Paul's clear, like, man, give joyfully and not out of, um, not out of guilt, but do it like, man, I want to give this and I'm excited about it. So do that. And that's a healthy way to handle that. You may want to push hard against that. Uh, and then what was the last one? Serve the body. Like, okay, there's an area that I can, with my time, with the talent that I have and what I can bring to the table, I'm going to do that. So those seven things, if we're not doing those with consistency, those are things God did tell us plainly here to do. If I'm not doing that. Why would he say anything else? So I mean, my whole point is every time I hear that, every time I feel that, or every time I'm like, man, what does God, my first response needs to be, what do the scriptures say? Should I take this job? I don't know. What do the scriptures say? Now, it's not going to answer, hey, I interviewed at this church for this job. Okay, well, I read a passage about Moses and God moving him. Probably not my answer. Maybe they, it could be applicable. Um, and at the same time, if it is, I'm probably not asking the question, but it's probably making that just really clear. So that's, I guess that's a topic for another day because I'm going to run out of time. Anyways, uh, wisdom. What should I do? I am finding wisdom from the word of God. I am accepting it as true. I'm then filing away. And then I'm actively on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm looking for it again. Like I'm reminding myself, I'm going back and reminding and reminding and reminding. I'm keeping it fresh. That's what I am. When it says like renew your mind, that's Romans 12 means daily. I'm sitting down, I'm reading that here's where I'm going. So I'm focusing my attention here and that's bringing renewal and it's coming back up. And then I take it and I go, how does it measure? If it's off, what I do to correct it. If it's, if it is right, I'm asking myself, why is it right? How do I, and how do I like what helped do that? And then try to repeat it. That's called stirring your affections for God. Thanks for listening to discussion on Proverbs two verses one through eight today. Hope you have a great day.